0: Welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guests, Chris Jamison, Quality Control Manager at Lee Kennedy, and Jason Edick, Vice President of Risk Management at Lee Kennedy Company. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today, we sit down with Chris and Jason, discuss their journey for quality control at Lee Kennedy. We talk about the big picture, what brought them to the realization that they needed to do something about this as a company on an executive level, the role data plays in deciding where they should start and what things they should manage. And then we get into the weeds and say, how do they actually execute on that quality management program? It's an exciting episode. I think there are a lot of construction companies and individuals out there trying to tackle this problem. And I think the more we hear from people that are having successes and failures Either way, we continue to learn. I'm proud that Lee Kennedy has taken this effort on to help us build better. I appreciate that, and I hope you will too. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters, and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. Welcome to Mass Construction Show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having us. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jason. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. So this this isn't a, a true follow-on, but you know, myself, Jason, Rob Carson from Delbrook, and Chris Fogg from Bond, I mean, was it it was probably at least a couple of years ago now, had a kind of a round table discussion when, in my opinion, QAQC was it in its first few years of getting a lot of attention in the in the market. And as of late, I've been thinking that I wanted to do a follow-up on that and see how the execution is going. You know, a lot of people, you guys included, have created a position, in some cases multiple positions, like you have at Lee Kennedy. And as an outsider watching, it seems like, Jason, and Chris, you guys are making some pretty good strides on this front. So I thought Lee Kennedy would be the, the right choice here to follow up and say, okay. We had all the uh, ideas that we really needed to get our arms around quality control. And this is just uh, hopefully gonna be a conversation about how you are doing, what's working, what's not working. And hopefully people can hear your successes and failures and maybe try and use that themselves to be better at what they do. So that's kind of the hope for today. And, And I think a decent place to start would be Jason, when it was seven, eight years ago when execs were first having a conversation about the need to deal with quality. What was that conversation and what were the drivers that kind of put you over the edge to say, all right, we we gotta take action and and do something on this? See, I
1: I don't know if that's the right place to start, Joe. I'm gonna go back to what you said at the beginning of this. And I wanna highlight it for the listeners at home. Sure. Uh, How you talked about how Lee Kennedy is unbelievable and making great strides in the quality. Thank you for saying that. That's a, that's a great place to start. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have to imagine that it's very similar with a lot of companies the, the way that our, our quality department and our quality program started, I have to think it's very, very natural. Meaning we, we lost money. <laughs> we, we made mistakes that cost e- either direct money to ourselves or our subcontractors, or it, it costs time on a schedule. At the very least we, a lot of that stuff translates to reputational risk for lee kennedy but the way that it came up the driver was pretty strictly money imagine sitting in a room with a senior leadership team and and talking about something that we allowed to happen on one of our jobs from a quality standpoint mm-hmm. and somebody else at that table chiming in jesus we just did this three months ago on a, on a product can we not learn this lesson we, why do we, why does this keep coming up over and over and over again and, and to be honest it was um, something as simple as studs meaning are you kidding me we installed the wrong studs in the mechanical penthouse we just had this happen on another job how do we keep this from happening it's costing us time and money we actually had to take out studs on mm-hmm. a job so in in simple terms the, the driver has been time and money and if you want to know you have a gap with something you, you just apply yourself you you apply your knowledge of the construction industry to a problem, and that's, mm-hmm. that's essentially where it started for us. We got formal with the, with our program,
0: which was hmm. excellent. so. Would you say, and, I, and I'm fast forwarding way ahead here, but from what it sounds like when you were talking about, hey, we just did that on another project, is, is was is part of the big problem with quality control communication? Oh, no, absolutely!
1: In fact, it's. It's the key to us making more strides. We're, we're not there yet. I, I'm not going to pretend like we're perfect because we're not. Um, we see very similar mistakes from job to job. Mm-hmm. And the way that we communicate those has gotten better over time. Again, we're not perfect. But the the one scenario that I just gave you with the studs, if we had communicated that very clearly to a product that we knew had a very similar um, scenario coming up, we we could have avoided it. We could have prevented it. So. Communication is
0: just like everything else, Joe. It's it's key. Mm-hmm. Now, is it w- when you're talking about cost? That's a it's a broad statement, kind of. But mm-hmm. was it you were you were looking and saying, okay, we have this much comeback work continually happening, and that's the tie to quality control. Where hey, if this was caught earlier? Cause you could have a in estimating or something like that, that might not, I guess you might even be able to call that quality control, but th- that could be a loss, right? Or we ordered something too late or we miss didn't schedule this right. So that cost us money. Was it that you were looking at comeback work or was it, you know, how did you make the tie to those losses being related to quality control? Yeah, it, initially it was
1: it was purely the idea of rework us having to go back and touch the same product. Again, when I say we, it's, it's typically not Lee Kennedy. It's our, it's our trade partners. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's for them, it's a very direct cost. We we can say to a, one of our trade partners, this is not the right stud. This is not what was spec'd out, not what was submitted on, not what was approved by the design team. You owe us, fix it. But there are some indirect costs there too, whether it's schedule, it, it translates into trade stacking later on because because of the because of that schedule impact. But at the very beginning, it was it was most definitely the concept of us
0: having to do rework. Yeah. And so just to be clear, I know it, it was me saying that in, in my view, from what I'm seeing, just as an outsider that you guys are making some stride that, you know, just so everyone knows it's not Jason didn't approach me and say, hey, I've got all this. QAC thing all dialed in, and Chris is a rock star, and we, which he very well may be, but you know, it wasn't you guys coming to me and and saying that. So yeah, just to, to it was unsolicited um, by you. Is that what you're saying, Joe? Y- yes, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so communication was a big driver. Comeback work was a driver, and it was just eventually a critical mass where you said we have to, we, we got to do something about this? Yeah, it It, it seemed, I mean,
1: again, <clears throat> to go back to that room with the senior leadership team. And if you start to realize a pattern across multiple jobs and you're not plugging that gap, like we know we have a problem, we've seen it multiple times. And if we don't do something as a
0: group about what we see as a gap, then, then shame on us. Shame on you. Yeah. yeah. And how were you doing it before because why wasn't it hey let's just lean harder on the supers they're supposed to be catching this shit uh yeah yep pretty common
1: i I know you didn't ask a a question there but the answer is yes to all of it that's the way that we used to handle it it's the way that the industry handled it if if a problem develops you solve that problem and move along but our tact was we don't know what we're missing (laughs) unless we really start looking at it unless we get formal with our program and it's mm-hmm. not an overly cumbersome, arduous program that we put in place. It's a relatively simplistic program that we put in place, mm-hmm. but it's going to allow for continuous improvement. Meaning pretty soon, in fact, we're almost, we're almost at a point now where we, we have some very solid trending in place. So we're starting to know what we used to not know, if, if that makes sense. Yep. we didn't know how much risk we had out there until we started looking at it in a very holistic way. for For every trade, for every CSI category, we're starting to look at the the quality side of things in a very formal way with with data. So it's it's guiding our improvement
0: over time. Yeah. yeah. So w- what's that data look like, and where you where are you capturing it? Are you looking at change orders in Procore? Are you what, what what's the, how are you getting the the metrics that you're kind of following.
1: I think I'm going to turn this one over to Chris because Chris is right now the king of, of data when it comes to when it comes to our quality program. He loves it. It, it drives him. Sure.
2: He's, yeah he's, you're not wrong there. So we use Procore for our construction management software and also with a tie-in to Power BI which is a very good analytical tool and basically over let's say what the last five years we've been able to dump that information from Procore into BI and hold trends on how many inspections are we doing, how many rework we have, or incorrect product that shows up on site. So it's, and, you know, to go back to the metal studs, to this day, we still have issues with it, especially mm. now with the constraints in the construction industry, getting product It happens, say, maybe once a month right now, where when the truck shows up, our supers or RPMs know that they need to go out to that truck and make sure that that's the correct thing that was submitted on.
0: Hmm. So what's Power BI? What, what What's that look like? What?
2: It's a Microsoft product that basically you can customize to pull a bunch of data points, even from, not just from Procore, from a safety standpoint, from a pre-construction standpoint, and it'll give you Pretty much anything you want i mean what i like to use it for now especially is okay who's our design team and i'll pull up the design team and then i can look over how many observations they've created on the past in the past five years on the projects we've done with them
0: hmm. okay so yeah. it's just it's just a software that can basically strip out data from Procore. correct
2: i mean it it pulls Procore from anywhere courses. but yeah Right now, it's mostly strictly from Procore.
0: Okay, Is there anywhere else you're extracting information from? Uh,
2: There is. So to go back to
1: to Construction BI or Power BI, Mm -hmm. think about the tens of thousands of data Mm -hmm. points that we have in in multiple software packages or platforms. The ability for us to to take the right information and tie it to other information, it it doesn't always exist in a single platform. If we want to take data from um, Highwire or our own internal lessons learned program and somehow tie it to an individual subcontractor, let's say. Construction BI is the, the platform that we use to do that. So we're, we're pulling data from multiple data sources and displaying it in, in one spot that logically you can look at and say, okay, I can see the trending here, or I can, I can analyze a subcontractor here, or the example that Chris just gave. I, I can analyze what the focal points for a certain design team member is. I mean, we,
0: we, we can sort the data any way we want so that it makes more sense to us. I think you just answered my next question, which is so and then it'll spit it out in either a spreadsheet or a pie graph or a trend line or whatever yeah. you want. The good and thing about BI
2: is, sorry to interrupt you, Jason, but the good thing about BI is you can customize what how you want to see it, whether it's a line graph, a pie chart, a days late algorithm that they come up with. You mm-hmm. know. It's a pretty awesome and powerful tool.
0: Yeah. So it seems like pretty easily you could say, okay, show me punchless items by subcontractor. Yep. And could you get as granular and say, okay, well, that's by subcontractor, and now show me on every job punchless items by CSI code or whatever, and then say, okay, wow, look, division 10 always has. The most, so is, and that's probably where we're going to need to focus. Is that where, I know I just didn't finish my sentences there, but is is that how it, is that how you're taking the data and deciding what to focus on?
2: Yes and no. I mean, we do factor that in. I mean, if I've run that report and let's face it, the biggest one is always going to be painting.
0: Painter. I I wanted to guess before you said it. it. Come on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you really can't. Fault the painter for that because someone could be walking by and hit the wall. So there's always paint touch ups that always go onto the punch list. But framing, details, how um, a ceiling looks, how a wall looks, if it's wavy, yes, that's mm-hmm. a huge factor, especially on certain clients too.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say that it's, I mean, it's an unfair to just say job to job because it wouldn't be apples and apples based on client or type of work but i think if you could group stuff and then to your point about painting painting may not even though it has the most punchless items from a data perspective it probably doesn't work the most focus but you you then overlaying okay here's volume quantity of issues because you could have one punchless item but it's a seven million dollar punchless item and then we're like okay hey we got to make sure we get fucking building envelope right because if it leaks our exposure is much higher in that area is you guys doing that type of a calculation when you're looking at this
2: yeah so we had a building in Dorchester that and personally it was my first time ever using Tyvek and it was a, a new system for a lot of our our guys and now being able to take that information that we had received on that project and use it on the one we did a couple towns over, I think it tremendously helped us. And mm. we were able to have a sit down meeting with that other project team and go over, hey, these are the do's and don'ts. And here's the data that here here are the most observations or punch list items we had because of this newer system.
1: Mm. And it's Talk, funny because you- the future, Joe. It, it, that's the future of where where we're going. You 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 asked about the data and it helping to drive decisions, but the, the trending that you kind of referenced there is something that's for the most part right now an untapped resource. Yes, our estimating teams can go back and look at the previous jobs and um, where we succeeded and where we where we failed very easily. So it's there, but to to trend what's actually costing us and our trade partners, or our, our clients for that matter, time and money o- over a period of years hmm. is astoundingly powerful. And, and that's that's what we're trying to get to right now. I mean, it's we've got a couple of years worth of data in there and it's got some statistical reliability to it, especially when you start to break down a certain CSI code. But eventually, the more data we put in there, the more clear that, pe- that picture becomes, that, that, that's our intent.
0: Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I'm sure that helps. I wonder if I liken it to if you're taking someone who's great at CAD or VDC and therefore you put them in the coordination department, but if they don't know how to build and know enough about mechanical systems, that's a failure point. So how do you balance using knowledge of how to build and what your problem is and then overlaying it with data so you don't have you don't have data telling you the wrong story because we're just you know just being completely driven by data and not have the the experience and boots on the ground knowledge that needs to be mixed with it how do you how do you make sure that the data is not driving you in the wrong place i'm going
1: to go back to the example that that chris just gave we're we're fortunate that we're that that mid-size construction manager to where we're we're very flexible and fluid it's small enough organization to where we can make the changes that we need to make that that make sense to our product our, our projects the our departments whatever whatever it is. The one that Chris used is painting. So imagine if you take the raw data and you look at um, how many observations, how many punch list items are related to paint and the rework associated with that, you go man we have we've got a real problem with painters. Mm-hmm. and none of us would ever think that but to sit in a room and, and display data and I'll, I'll use that painting thing again and somebody go listen we don't have a problem with painters it's not the painters it's every other trade who's damaging the wall that, that we just finished yeah that's kind of my point right where data yeah. can could lead you in the wrong way yeah yeah it, so I I don't know we're we're, we're builders yeah, so well, sitting in a room, and I actually I consider myself even though i'm I'm safety and quality i I'm a builder I, I understand the construction process maybe not as good as a superintendent or somebody with forty years experience but we we build and we understand that process so it's kind of easier when you're when you are a builder to navigate the data and focus on what's real or or what's going to be impactful using that data
0: it's yeah this shit that doesn't really matter yeah. pretty easily. It's a tool, but you have to have the right, yeah. right people looking at that information, I think right. is the key, right? Because yeah. you just sometimes you see companies become beholden to a technology and think that the technology is the answer, but it's not, it's a tool, no. right? So collect all that data, look at it multiple ways, have the operations team look at it, make a decision, say, okay, hey, here's where we're going to focus on, or here's where we're going to start. Is that kind of how it worked out? It worked rather out. than say, right, yeah, okay, yeah. Rather than saying, okay, hey, we're going to quality control everything. Okay, well, that's probably biting off. That's going after the elephant rather than breaking it down, right? So you guys right. broke it down based off of the data, and then you decide to tackle whatever. What was what was something that was first on the list that you thought you really needed to to work on from a QC point?
2: If you don't mind, Jason, I'll step in, but uh, delivery inspections, I think were the biggest thing because we had so many times where we had to remove studs or they were the incorrect studs. Now we're doing a great job of catching stuff, but we do still to this day have projects that something does come that wasn't submitted on or is the wrong manufacturer the wrong the wrong stud altogether it's it still happens to this day and mm. i think getting the teams on our sites to know how valuable those are doing those inspections you know when we when one of our team members catches something we'll send out a company-wide email hey great job to this team for catching this before it mm. got into the building <clears throat> uh, the, the main idea is to catch it before either the owner catches it or the design team catches it yep <laughs> so if it's in the building and we caught it before they did it's still a win in my book so
0: we'll get the sheetrock on real quick yeah, yeah.
2: i think wait, i think
1: tom steves and dave manganero are listening to this right now going these guys hate
0: drywalls and rough carpentry
1: um, <laughs> it's not all about drywall
0: no no i get you so th- that's that's interesting because that's not if you forced me to guess that and i guess 50 things that 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 wouldn't have been one of them so uh, i i really appreciate you you spelling that out how does it work on site like when we actually go to implement this is it, okay we know materials delivery of materials delivery inspections need to happen how do you roll that out is it you physically going out there is it communications to supers it actually what's the quality staff now it's is it just the two of you or have you brought anybody else on what's the you're looking at two-thirds of it (laughs) okay well you know what i say i'll go back to
1: our vision statement or our our tagline for quality we we will make quality a part of everything that we do so we have it's easy to say that we have three in our department and that that's Mm -hmm. the truth but the people that are doing the work are the superintendents and the project managers especially pre-work but actually doing the the first delivery inspections it's it's the staff who's populating all that data and chasing all this in, in a very simple way so yeah we and have 250 quality people here at Lee Kennedy <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: well done you're so polished <laughs> but what is that chris what is, what does it look like How, does i mean you do you have a checklist for so it, every different material i, I mean that seems like it would get unruly. Is it just a select amount? What, what is the, go ahead and get in the weeds. What does yeah. an inspection look like? So, I mean, to start off, like we're in,
2: this will be version four of us changing the way and adapting to how our QMSs ran. When we first started our delivery checklist, it was 15 line items, very basic 15 line items and then we sat with the supers and we're like and they all said like this is very cumbersome. So sat in a room and we dialed it down to I, I believe 7 and it's is the product that is being delivered the correct does it match the submittal? And then you attach the submittal to that inspection while you're in the before you go in the field to do it. Does it match the spec? Yes or no. Was it damaged? Yes or no. Very very simple six questions that it takes all of 5 minutes yeah which
1: are which are tailored for every product so the, the process right. is simple but it's matched to that specific product through the through the spec of the submittal so it's
0: right and is it every single piece of material that comes onto that job site i would like to say yes but no <laughs> i mean the vast majority though
1: chris yeah chris is you talk about refining the process and, and growing mm-hmm. this over time. And we we've added little bits and pieces to this over the over the years. I mean we we don't see intermescent paint on every every project, but mm-hmm. we do have an intermescent paint checklist because we, right. we had it on a couple of jobs. We we simplified our ongoing work checklist and our delivery checklist for intermescent paint, and now that's a resource that's available to
0: to any of the staff that has intermescent paint. Right. So when that super assistant super whoever is going out to the truck and are they getting his granules okay the glues and primers for the roofer and the roofing material
2: yeah
0: are they going in procore seeing a marked up submittal and saying okay it says it's extra sticky glue 5000 yep okay that's what it is by Armstrong and they're they're going down that list and making sure it 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 matches,
2: yeah, one hundred percent. They do it the one or two ways. They attach it right to the inspection, so when they go out there with their iPad or phone, it's already on the inspection. They can just click on it, or a lot of them, old school, print it out and then do the inspection on their phone. But they have the printout copy of that submittal, that spec,
0: whatever they need to make sure ensure that it's correct. Hmm. And then are you getting data on the back end that says okay here's how many submittals we had on for this job yep here's how many that got looked at as they came onto site
2: yeah jason and i were actually just talking about this the other day of really grading grading a project on how they did quality wise Hmm. using power bi to okay we had x amount of submittals they did x amount of delivery inspections what's this score look like and then same thing with the ongoing work
0: inspections. Mm-hmm. Are they finding that to be arduous? Yes, in some cases, yeah. But I mean, then, I'm just thinking if if I'm sitting in the, the weekly foreman's meeting as a super, and a truck rolls onto site, if the assistant isn't there, that's are not going to
2: project managers come into play. the The good thing about all work as a team, and you know, we've been to a few job sites where they have the delivery board on a dry erase board. Okay, Maganaro's showing up with this. I'm sorry, Maganaro, to keep using <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, we
0: um, could say today's show brought to you by Maganaro, but I don't think yeah. they... Uh,
2: yeah, I should have wore a Maganaro shirt instead. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And as collectively as a team, okay, Jason's got this delivery today, and he knows that. And if Jason can't, you know, there's... Group text, whatever. Hey, I can't do this one today. Someone's going to jump in. Okay. Yeah, we're we're gaining a lot of traction
1: with th- that concept that Chris <clears throat> talked about, meaning identifying critical materials. Yeah. Not that studs aren't critical. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Dave and Tom mm-hmm. Steve. Tom mm-hmm. Steep. But it, we, on this project, these materials are critical. So we, we've identified that we're we're going to go out and inspect. In, in the next three weeks, we know we have these materials coming in. We're going to expect one, two, three, four, five, six, seven materials that are somewhat critical to the job. Meaning, if it's if it's the wrong material, this is potentially a showstopper. We're making sure that we have the right the right material on site. Yeah. So it, biting it off, you talked about the elephant Joe, biting it off smaller pieces over a, a two week or a three week look ahead, and then assigning those inspections to a staff member is where we're starting to gain some traction and if i'm being honest there is stuff that we ignore not that we ignore it but it's not necessarily critical to us
0: the primer yeah not to pick on pages again not that pages are insignificant right (laughs)
1: no no painters love painters yes and there's also one other thing too It, it it sounds nice to say that we've got a delivery truck sitting there and before we start loading or while we're loading material into the building we're looking at it but it doesn't always work that way i mean we I did an inspection two weeks ago up on a roof of what what was the third delivery of material for roofing and i mean think about it how do you get roofing material to a roof crane yeah if you had to take it off um we're a little bit too late we know that at that point the sub is costing themselves money we're costing the sub money if we if we have to force them to take it off we've had that happen as a lessons Mm -hmm. learned we've had white roofing up on a roof when what was specced was gray. No. So the entire roof was loaded. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, some of the material was down. So.
0: Yeah, well that, and that kind of an- that answered what one of my next questions was. Is it, you're checking that material every time it shows up on site? So if they've got deliveries of the same material for 12 floors, are you looking at it 12 times when it shows up? I'd like to say yes, the answer is no. But
2: going to back to Jason's point of those critical items, mm-hmm. yeah, those critical items, that team knows that if there's 12 deliveries, they need to have 12
0: delivery inspections. Hmm. I mean, I really like the idea that you're you're actually doing a look ahead of critical, like that's phenomenal. And and that becomes a lot more manageable. Hey, here's right. the seven things that are coming over the next two weeks we've got to make sure we're looking at. Okay. The idea of, especially when you're in a bigger job, that every time something shows up on site, I got to be doing a checklist, even if it's small. But going out there and setting my eyes on it—that's that's overwhelming. But I think if it's, hey, here's the critical items, and we need to be checking, and even some. And do you have non-critical items that they're checking as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like the mid-level, and those are the ones where okay we're going to have 25 deliveries of this product. We're going to check it the first time it shows up and then maybe on 10 and 20, we'll check check it again and make sure we're still using the right stuff. But even if we're not, the exposure is relatively limited.
2: Correct. (laughs) And then they'll also catch it doing the ongoing work inspections as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, so that's a good segue. So that's material showing up what's how about progress of you know assemblies so you know an ethos wall or a interior wall or rebar going in like how is is that is that part of the process yeah so each definable
2: feature of work pretty much has a inspection tied to it um when a project first starts out we have a a boilerplate inspection for every spec section um, and then once our teams are fully on-site, uh, trailers set up, we go out there, when I say we, I mean the quality team, and we sit with the project team and we go through each inspection and say, okay, this is what's on the inspection now. Do we need to remove items that are don't apply to this project? Okay, and what are we adding to this inspection?"
0: Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one that you said definable blank of work? What did you call them? Definable feature of work. Feature of work. Feature Features of work. And then are you doing, how much of this involves like a mock-up process? Depending on
2: what's called for on the specs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that, doesn't, that doesn't change too much for us.
1: I
0: mean, it, if, 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 if you're doing a mock-up, mock-up right? unit like you would on any other job, but yep. are you, you're incorporating your... QAQC—that's part of that mock-up, right?
2: Yes, correct. Yeah. So, some on some of the um, projects in Cambridge, we we've actually created an inspection for, uh, like a mock-up checklist. Is this mm-hmm. done? Yes. Is this done? No. For these yeah.
0: materials being, Yep. Yeah.
2: right.
1: Mock-ups, and especially you know, you think about
2: envelope or or
1: curtain wall systems, th- those types of mock-up mock-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's the perfect opportunity actually for us to create the inspection checklist for that for that product or that trade that ongoing work mm-hmm. um, i mean you can see it before it has any impact to the job you can see exactly how that system goes together and where some potential weak points are so we can we can put those potential weak points you know the failure to put the right size screw in these punch windows yeah or a, a clocking detail or something like that that stuff is our opportunity to get it into the checklist that we're going to use from now until the end of the job on that, on that envelope system.
0: Hmm. Okay. So the definable features of work, each of those features has its own checklist for lack of a better word. Yeah. And that's implemented in Procore. And then is that part of a weekly walk? How does that, happen? Or is it more based on, okay, one of the definable features of work is in wall rough and insulation. So, okay, whenever, before we close up, we got to do that inspection. Is that how it works? Or is it, you know, you go once a week and do all these checklists? Like how's, how does that work?
2: Yeah. I mean, when you're closing up walls, it's before you're going for, the, well, let me back up. So depending on client-based, uh, we do have a few clients that before you close up any wall, you have to provide proof that the in-wall inspection has been completed and signed off by the client or the design team member. Okay. Uh, but for projects that don't have that stringent need, once a week, twice a week, it all depends on the the process, the the schedule, and what the supers you know are looking to do cl- to close up rooms yeah, This is the honesty part of this this podcast, Joe. Yeah, this is something that yeah,
1: we've we struggled with how to implement the right number of checklists, the right type of checklist. How many inspections do we actually do? How many, how many first delivery checklists? How many ongoing work inspections do we actually do? The lazy way to do it is for us to say, hey, uh, project team, you guys own three inspections a week each. Go do inspections and then hold them to that. Mm-hmm. But that really doesn't define... What they should be looking at, or trying to get good quality inspections. You know, no, no right. pun intended there, but a good inspection yeah. that produces something that's meaningful, right? Yeah, that's just checking a box. Yep, yeah, that, that's all that it's doing. Understand. Oh, we did three a week. Oh, great, yeah. awesome, good for you. Yeah. yeah. The, what we've what we found, and we're not there. And this is the honesty part of it. Nope. What we found is that that process that we talked about a little bit earlier, where as as a project team, we have these three operations coming up. And, and we know that we're going to inspect those. We know that these are potentially we'll call them high risk, either either products or installations. Yeah, uh, a curtain wall, a level five finish, you know, the very first level five finish wall that we do. Yeah, we'll define those things and say, all right, we're going to inspect these. Yeah, all right. Who's doing it? And then we kind of assign it out. That you know the grease board that Chris had talked about. Some some of our projects use a grease board. Other mm-hmm. other projects assign those inspections in Procore. Hey, Maddie Sosnowski is going to go do the inspection for X on on this date because that's when the schedule shows it's going to be done. Right. So we're we're refining that process over time. It, it's definitely not perfect, but Chris has had, especially Chris has had a ton of success in in breaking off small pieces with that two week, two week look ahead to define. Okay, let,
0: let's go out and look at this. Yeah. Forgive me. I just want to make sure I jot down the two-week look ahead because I love the idea of incorporating. It's almost like, hey, these are job milestones, but they're quality milestones, even though they're not milestones, but they're like key events, right? Yeah. Uh, that we got to make sure we tackle. And that's, is is that in the same two-week or three-week look ahead that the super is working off of on site? Yeah, they're, they're guiding the process. I
1: mean, it's, right. that super is in charge of of that piece of the, like, we're just a resource, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's not to sound lazy, but the super is is running the show. on, Yeah. Hey, hey, this is what we have coming up. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that this, like, we need to check this like, the very first time that they install a fan call unit. We, we need to run through that unit, do the inspection, make sure that, you know, all the, all the
0: T's are crossed and I's are dotted. Okay. So on the front end pre-planning, you're deciding on the job. What are the critical items? And then, as those critical items pop up and fall into that two week or three week look ahead that the supers doing, it's up to them to say, "Okay, hey, this is in our next two week. Let's make sure we're scheduling an inspection on it."
2: Yeah, between them or uh, with the assistance of Jason, myself, or Danny, um, you know, just staying on top of the supers. Like, oh, hey, we did talk about this. This one's coming up next. Who, and we can create start the inspection. Right from there and assign it to Matt Soznowski or whoever.
0: So you are you looking at all the project schedules on a regular basis to see where they're at and yeah. So know,
2: each, each of us have two, three, four projects that we manage. So yes, well yeah, he's we. only got he's only got one. We had to start him off slow.
0: <laughs> he's here name only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so the looks. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> okay so kind of sticking with that because that's something that happens pretty early you know we we kind of jump to how the implementation happens but you guys keep alluding to things that seem to be really early in the process so we're building out the schedule we should be making some notes in there in the schedule or we're looking at like how early is this process
2: we got involved at the design documents phase
0: of the project well maybe let's do this let's take a take job a you guys win the job yeah is that when qualities get involved is it during uh when you're bidding like so take take me a some sample job and we kind of walk me through what that looks like yeah i I can And, and i'll do it in in general terms
1: knowing that Every job is is different. There are some mm-hmm. jobs where our estimating group is engaging somebody like me or Chris for a particular product on a on a particular bid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, we get involved when we've won the job. I mean that's that's when the real work starts. So yep. and, and Chris, at some point, I, I think you should pull up the the our our flow chart and just show the you know the, the steps that we take. When when Chris does pull that up, one one important thing for everybody who's listening to this to realize is that we we haven't come up with a, a process for quality management. We have a quality management system, but what we've done is integrate quality into each of our construction steps. Meaning, it's it's part of the estimating. Yep, there it is. Look at that. Beautiful. So th- this is our construction process. It, you know, it's in it's in large groups here, but our construction process has never changed this is the way that lee kennedy manages construction and we we've injected quality in, into each one of those major steps yep. so it's not like it's this extracurricular activity that we're we're performing for quality it's just it's part of each of these steps that are already taking place as part of the construction process so we're we're involved early on in the design development and then the the cd stages to identify Really, some of the the major risks that a, a project has from a quality standpoint. And some of those are surprising. You'd, you'd be surprised. Meaning everybody knows that the building envelope is always um, you know, a major pain point, or MEP commissioning is a is a is a pretty big risk for us, right? So how do we mm-hmm. how do we identify that and then start to build the quality program over time? But there are some surprises in there. We we have one project now where, uh, and I, I won't mention the the project name. But believe it or not, brick, brick was a, a, a huge risk on this project just because of the amount of brick and where the brick was coming from. The brick was coming from Spain, JMO. Yes, yep, yeah. Spanish brick. Okay, it, it was it was a risk. We know nothing about the manufacture of this brick, but it's specked out, and we know that we need to manage that. So we we put a plan together for making sure that we had the right brick on the job at the right time, and that everything was approved. So it, it does change project by project. The, the meat of the work that we do starts when we have a subcontractor kickoff meeting. We have an idea of what we think the risks are for that trade or that scope of work, but we really start to dial it in at the subcontractor kickoff meeting, which happens somewhere two weeks to a month prior to that that scope of work starting. And then that's when we start to refine those those basic checklists that we have.
0: Can I ask you something, Jason? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at your flow chart that says internal kickoff meet, meeting, a CD page turn, early page turn. That's during though during that process, that's when Lee Kennedy is identifying that Spanish brick or whatever it is that you you deem to be high risk from a quality standpoint. And then you move to that subcontractor kickoff. At that point, are things coming off of that list and other things going on to that list based off of the subcontractor's input? Yeah, you're dialing it in.
1: So, I mean, picture, you know, picture that cone. At the beginning of the job, when you're at the DD or the CD phase, you're identifying the major risks. And then you're dialing in those all the way through the project. I mean, literally all the way to the end of the project, you're dialing in and getting more and more granular with with each trade category, with each subcontractor, so it's it, it's kind of a natural process. The, the brick example, it's one of those risks that we knew at the very beginning. This is not a, a company or a type of brick that we've ever worked with before before. So we need to develop a plan. And then that plan gets developed leading up to, you know, even before we step foot on the on the project site, to be quite honest. And then it, it changes from making sure that we have a comfort level that the 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 plant in Spain can produce the brick, produce the right of brick. The right brick one that's approved by the design team and then it moves into is the brick being installed the right way you know Mm -hmm. the first delivery checklist is in there too but by that point we know we're getting the right brick we've already we've already actually taken the trip
0: to spain yes yeah you know what i'm curious about i wonder if just by you having that conversation with the subcontractor that is almost increasing your likelihood of those critical items being correct because i think if i'm a subcontractor and i show up to a meeting and you guys are saying to me all right we need checklists of this we're concerned about this you know these three things we're gonna you know we're gonna focus on we're gonna have checklists we want to see it before you even put it in the hoist so on and so on and i as a subcontractor say all right fucking lee kennedy's gonna be up my ass about these things let's make sure we have it right because i don't want to be sending that but do you think it it almost improve your odds of those things going right just by having the conversation that most companies aren't having yeah Yeah. you're damn straight the answer is yes
1: Hmm. Uh, but i actually think most people have those conversations somewhat naturally they've been doing it for years in construction the the idea of taking a trip to a, a, a plant to View what's already been produced or the production process, whatever that is. It, that's been going on for, you know, two hundred years, probably thousands. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, but
0: it's just happening,
1: as part of the process. It is. We're just we, we're just formalizing it and better able to track it from, from
0: cradle to grave. Yep. Yeah, and I think that focus though changes it, right a site a plant visit for a particular product or going to Italy to see a piece of marble like yeah that's been happening forever but if you roll up and say here's our analytics on this is a problem on the past three jobs and with different subcontractors and and here's the three of us that lead this team up to make sure that that product is correct I I think it sends a message it heightens awareness, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and I don't disagree. Like you said, it's 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 happening. I think just by having it be, and if you don't mind leaving it up, Chris, I might just refer to back to it as as we're talking. Yeah. And for folks that are only listening, you know, this is the, a flow chart of the quality management process at at Lee Kennedy's. And if you guys don't mind, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and forward it over, if people want to people want to look at it. Okay, so we're going through the internal decisions about what are our concerns or what are our risks. You talk about it internally in a kickoff, it's a subcontractor kickoff based off of those conversations, you develop your checklists. Yep. And those checklists and product decisions get our, our living. So as the job goes on, things might be able to come on or come off or get heightened focused is that fair yeah yeah because now are you seeing that okay we've had a problem with the finish on the cabinets has come out wrong on some deliveries yep that which used to be in uh if it's Green, yellow, red used to be green. Not worry about it. Now they're bumped up to a red because it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, we have a project
2: uh, going on now where there are some windows that were the wrong color. They were pre-painted when they showed up. They're not the right color. Kind of an egg on our face and our subcontractor's face, but doing the quality control and we had site visits. I mean, I to the point I was going up to this manufacturer every week for two months, equated to a bad batch of paint. It's just a little bit off, but mm. things still happen.
1: So Okay. Yeah, but now now we're paying attention to that product more. Just like just like you said, Joe. It's mm. uh we got something early on. We know we have to pay attention to it now.
0: Right. Got it. Okay, all right. I think we could probably pull the flowchart down now, Chris, just so I can get some good video of you guys as we're chatting. Now, how do we how do we address this? Like we would normally address a job. Is there? Um, are you having? Is it in somewhat of a, a schedule where okay? mill workers in 20 months where we get a job it gets awarded they want to start in two weeks how do you manage that you know now you've accelerated this this nice flow chart like how do you manage to adjust to speed and schedule of a job i'm not sure i completely
1: understand that question joe yeah,
0: yeah so Sometimes I would imagine figuring all of this out is a challenge when you're trying to go after it all. And if you, let's say you have a ground up job and you're getting ready to mobilize you're it could be a GMP job. You don't have all the subs on, like are you, how are you attacking that when you wanna mobilize people early, you write a few early bid packages, that type of stuff. How do you incorporate Quality when you don't have all the information because the job's moving so quickly. Yeah, or probably a more common occurrence,
1: somewhat related, is the fact that we say that they're eighty percent CDs, in, in reality, they're yeah. not. You know, it's not a permit set. We're, we're developing that that design all, almost all the way through the project. So, how do you adapt to those changes? It's it's a challenge. I I, I don't I want to say we have a perfect answer for it. Mm-hmm but we have a pretty solid understanding of what our major risks are. And then we dial in over the course of the entire project. I, that's kind of the simple, lazy answer, Joe, but it's, it's also the, the truth. Right. Meaning yeah. We haven't bought this particular sub yet. It, stick with millwork. We're not buying millwork until possibly the, the middle of the, the project when the actual scope and the design documents are, are completed for the millwork package. Well, now we're we're just, we're jumping into the quality as part of everything else that's going on with the the mill worker, whether it's buying the sub, you know, getting the estimates from the sub, buying the sub, meeting with the sub to just to ensure that they can make production and and labor dates. We're right there
0: next to the entire team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Addressing the quality side of that. Okay. What mistakes have you made or maybe better said, what would you do differently I know you guys did mention, hey, maybe our checklist was too long at first, so we pared down. What what did you do? What did you do wrong? What were the mistakes, or what would be something that you would just approach differently if you were back at day one? Yeah, we don't we don't uh we don't make mistakes well, here. We don't we, we don't night. talk about that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I like we're we're a pretty honest group. I'm going to let Chris answer a, a portion of this, but I'm going to tell you what I think our biggest challenges right now. And, and it ties into all of this, right? It, it's one of our, you know what, I'm going to call it what it is. It's one of our failures. Chris has refined. When I say Chris, I mean, he really is the the leader of this group and he is constantly improving, meaning listening to the people that have to implement this program, whether it's our subcontractors or our staff, like, Hey, you know, this sounds nice on paper, this piece of the process but it's bullshit it's meaningless it doesn't it doesn't actually produce anything that's worthwhile but mm-hmm. this if we focus on this at this time we're going to get a better product so chris is constantly i think he said at the beginning this is revision 4 yeah so chris can talk to that in a second but what one of our biggest failures i think is not engaging the subcontractors in the right way our, our trade partners so we're talking about all this stuff that we do joe we're just checks and balances here. The, the responsibility to the owner is Lee Kennedy's. And that's why we have the checks and balances in place. But the responsibility that the trade partners have to us is to make sure that the right material is delivered to the job at the right time, that they have the right um, trade people on site to install that material, that the quality of the work being installed is good quality. So we fall into the same trap in a lot of other ways. Right. Safety's really no different. It's it's. Ultimately, the subcontractor's responsibility or the trade partner's responsibility to ensure that, and we're not there yet. Meaning, how do we get the the subcontractor, the trade partner, to do the inspection on the on the material that's being delivered and check it against the spec to make sure that it's the right color, the right gauge, the right whatever it is? Mm-hmm. We're not there. Th- that, hands down, is our biggest failure, and we we don't necessarily have a great answer for that yet. We're still in the checks and balances mode. right? So it's, it's almost like, like how do you. Phase of our program is how to
0: engage our, our trade partners hmm. in a more or, meaningful way. Or almost, w- w- would it be how to incentivize them to see that value? And I don't necessarily mean mo- monetarily, but it could be a simple of at the end of the job, do you give them a report and say, look, here's 27 truck deliveries that, got turned around lost ho- hoist time overtime you had to pay here all this was around quality yeah
1: so let me, it's it's kind of a long play so our, our solution we're, we're not ignoring the problem we know that we have a gap and we're not ignoring it but it is, it is absolutely a long play I, i'll give you one example and i'm going to relate it to safety even though we're talking about quality but no i yeah, see a tie but it, there is a tie it's it's us acting as checks and balances, but then elevating our partners to to make them more efficient. When our when our trade partners win, we win. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the more that we can elevate them to get them to a point where it never even reaches our level, that that's a win all around. We we do the same thing with safety, right? So we have this this um, you know, top ten, bottom ten program at Lee Kennedy where We take the top, it's actually 25 now, but we take the top 25 contractors that we work with throughout the course of a year, and we we throw a party for them once a year and say, thank you. You guys have, you've delivered the goods from a safety standpoint. Conversely, we take the bottom 10, the ones that haven't performed up to what, what our expectations are, and we bring them into our office. They meet with Lee Michael and Chris Penny and the senior leadership team to say, hey, this is the data that we have. This is the performance over the course of the last year. We, we can't continue to live like this. What can we do to, to help build you guys up? And the success stories coming out of that are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It, we're looking at the quality side of this in, in the same exact light, meaning once we identify those trends, how can we how can we engage the subcontractors over time? We're, we're not there yet, but that's the intent. Right. Get the information into their hands to say, hey, we, we've had this challenger issue multiple times over the past, whatever it is, two years, four jobs, whatever whatever that parameter is. Mm. How do we get past this? We can't live like this anymore, guys. Or, hey, knocking out of the park. On on your pre-qualification, you are a
0: 95 or 98 out of 100 when it comes to quality. Love you, guys. Keep doing it. Yeah, it's almost to draw the, the tie back to safety again. It's almost like the... The safety cop right yeah. okay yes if we have to we're going to walk around and tell you to put your hard hat on and whatever else and you need to you need to make sure you're tied off and this toe board is missing and you, you'll be that cop but that's not that's not what you want right you want to let's solve the problem and this whether it's a speed and ticket yeah you got to give out speed and tickets sometimes but that's not the answer because you can't have Cops there constantly. It's not productive for you guys. It's not productive for the subcontractor. So how do you cross over to whether it's a cultural thing or a data thing, or but how do you how do you move them in some way to have them just be see the same value that you see? Yeah, I, I'll give you
1: one specific example. It's a it's a success story, but it's it was it was based on failure we had a plumber that we worked with who had multiple leaks on a job with pro press fittings, right? Common enough, you know, mm-hmm. small gauge water piping, multiple leaks, multiple leaks that in some cases were not found out until six months or a year after we delivered the product to the client. It, nobody wants it. Right. Yeah. So we know that we know that it happened. We know that it costs us and the subs some reputational risk. It costs us real money. It, it costs us, You know, Jesus, the client is looking at us like, how, where's your quality program for this? So to be able to go back to that same subcontractor before we award them the next job and say, let's talk about your quality program. We want to give you this job. You came in with the right number. We think you have the capability to do it. Before we award it to you, tell me how you're going to manage pro press fittings on this job, which is uh, almost identical to to the last one that we came off of that had a lot of issues. And for them to come back and say, here's our quality program. like, all right, that's the same quality program you had, and it didn't work. Tell me how you're going to fix it. For them to come back to our estimating team and say, I understand. We get it. We're implementing this. We're doing it company-wide now. We're training our – and it was such a simple solution. Yeah, you're, You're marking every fitting that gets installed that it's been inspected by somebody, every single fitting. And there's thousands of fittings, but it's a simple mark. It's yep. been pressed. It gets marked. Move along.
0: Hmm. Simple. Simple answer. I thought ProPass almost had a built-in mechanism. <laughs> no, you can still get leaks, Joe. Wow.
1: Well, so you have to actually press it. So I mean, think about think about putting together a run of water piping and it's pipe fitting, pipe fitting, pipe fitting, and then somebody's falling back and and
0: pressing those fittings. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that don't get pressed, those are the ones that leak. Oh, they just weren't pressing them. at Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, I was just yeah, saying mean, because I was pretty sure there was some type of mechanism where once you press it, you get a little beep or whatever that says, "Yep, yeah. yeah, it's good," right? Yeah. Like, but if you don't press it, yeah, I guess that could be a problem.
1: Yeah, I should have explained it better. But that, it was a simple—it <laughs> was a simple solution to a problem that we had, and we were able to go back to the sub and work with them to elevate
0: their game, which I like. Yeah. No, that's great. Anything else you could think of, Chris? As far as mistakes or things you'd probably do differently if you were if you were back at the beginning?
2: Well, to go back to Jason's point, the the flowchart that I put up on the screen, that's the fourth iteration of it. The first one had 18 or 20 steps. Yeah. And like Jason had said, we've talking to everyone, it's like, some of these steps, a you're not going to get anything out of really, and B, they happen naturally. So why are in charge of those
0: steps? Will you say that again, Chris, only because you broke up? You said I got to the point where you, that somebody said those things happen naturally, and then I lost you. Okay, yeah. So they happen
2: naturally, and we basically just removed them because there was no, we weren't going to gain anything from having it.
0: Got it. Okay.
2: And just always being adaptive and, listening to the guys in the field that you know are your boots on the ground you know they're the ones that have to live this stuff every single day you know and sitting with our superintendents who have way more years of experience than i do they'll bring up points that you know what that's a great idea that needs to get on a checklist or we need to send this out in an email to let people know about this it's the constant drip of information that has brought this program to where it's at and yeah chris
1: what tell joe about what's going on upstairs right now i mean that that was one of the bigger lessons learned that you have or one of the biggest you talk about people guiding the process the right people guiding the process tell me what's going on upstairs
2: yeah so we also have a quality control task force uh, where we take a couple of supers pms safety estimators there's 20 20 people up there right now and they're basically picking apart that flow chart, the one that just got released and okay, what's the next, what's version five look like? How can we improve? Yeah. It's, it's allowing the people that have to live with this program
1: and implement this program dictate where that program is going to go, how to get the most benefit out of it. So I, Chris, just instituted that this year actually with, you know, our our quality committee or the, the task force and, we, we don't know what is going to come out of it yet but based on some of the meetings it sounds like some pretty good stuff that it is starting to develop mm-hmm. it's yeah. just it's continuous improvement
2: yeah and they'll present uh jason myself and the senior leadership team in a couple of weeks and jason and i were at the first meeting guys thank you for participating in this and then we turned it over we named a chair sub chair and a
0: secretary and stepped out of the way yep it's yep. great Okay, so, you know, my last question is, what would you tell people if they were looking to start this at their company, whether a small company or a big company? And I, I'll tell you what I've heard from you so far, and then please just add in. In, in one way, it's, I would say, don't overcomplicate it. You know, yeah. keep, it simple, keep it simple, like, right? Nailed it. And whether that's the flow chart or the checklist, if it becomes too cumbersome you don't you you lose people it sounds like and then to the point of what you were just saying with regards to the task force it's get others involved
2: get others involved be adaptive continuous improvement and refining everything it's we're not perfect we're never going to be perfect but things change and you got to listen to the peers like exactly what you said they're the ones doing it. We're just here to support them.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I, I can jump. I want to jump in there a little Please. bit too. Right? If somebody's thinking about implementing a, a formal program, say we need a we kind of need a defined quality program. One is just start, just yeah. jump in and do it. Mm. Um, but two is don't don't make a, a square peg try to fit into a round hole. That it's one of our biggest successes that we took. An existing construction process and we just injected pieces of the quality program in each one of those steps each one of the departments from pre-construction into construction and even into warranty and post-construction right mm-hmm. so uh, don't don't make up this grand great program just start with the the simple things and and then like chris had said you, you'll improve it over time we, we are never going to stop refining this program ever yeah. Nice.
0: I like that. Yeah. And from a, from a practical standpoint, it seems to be that the delivery checklist was a great place to start. Are you guys happy that that's where you started? Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's also an easy place. No, no, let me rephrase that. It's relatively small place to start. Yes. Right. Like let's just work on making sure it's the right material on the job.
2: small place to start, but even to this day, it's still our biggest risk.
0: Yeah. 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 And you could still improve. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna ask one last question. And I might clip it if it's just not appropriate to be kind of on the end. Go ahead, Jason. So it's it's not on the list. It's not a list of questions
1: that you sent over. We yeah, can't, well
0: we just we talked about kind of continuous of continuous improvement and kind of continue to get better. <laughs> I, I think you could uh, uh We can we'll adapt. Yeah, hopefully. Chris is here, so I'll let Chris answer this. Good. <laughs> but could you talk a little bit about where, I know you said it extends to everybody, but could you talk about how does it extend into the scheduling department or the project managers or the estimators? I feel like I always overuse the term, what does it look like? But what does it look like for those roles when it comes to quality?
2: Uh, so to start with scheduling, working with the scheduling team and getting the key delivery dates in the schedule is huge. Yep. Scheduling, even putting a site visit or a facility visit in the schedule is big.
0: So that's going in the baseline contract schedule, the original. Yeah, and we're.
1: I, it's funny we're at a point now where
0: mm. you know
1: we're looking at a CPM schedule that's part of a bid package that has quality milestones already built into it. So our yeah. scheduling, wow. our scheduling department's phenomenal. They, they, oh, like no, they man. Yeah. This idea and they run with it and they just keep running with it. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's, it's awesome. Schedule is such
0: a great tool for for quality. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. I'm yeah. Really glad I asked this question. Okay, so the,
2: <laughs> the project manager standpoint, The submittal review procurement log that all gets tied into that delivery inspection as well so not only are our supers doing the deliveries but like i said every team is involved when something shows up site on site project managers are in the field more they're walking the project doing ongoing checklists because a lot of our teams are now split up split up into pods per se like this guy's got these three subcontractors. This guy's got these three subcontractors. So when he's in the field, there he's only focused on, you know, the mechanics. Their trades, yeah. right? Yeah. So it simplifies it for them as well.
0: Hmm. Are they adding anything in contractually around quality?
2: I'll leave that one to Jason.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the
1: the quality program is a it's a contractual document. So we we have the, the trade partners are bound to to our program, right? What one of the next steps, and it's not, it hasn't been a complete success is what we talked about a few minutes ago. How do you define exactly what their expectations are when it comes to quality? It's nice to say that you need to deliver the right material to the site, but how are you checking to make sure that it's the right right deliverable? So we don't have that in the contracts yet. We have a lot of that language in there for something like safety, right? Mm-hmm. It, we expect you to do X, Y, and Z when you're on the job at, at this frequency, a weekly or a monthly something or other. We haven't done it for quality yet, except in very loose terms, tying the program to the contract. Right. We need to get better at, Hey, we expect that you're going to do the the first delivery inspection or that you're going to perform a, a weekly quality inspection where we get the data into, into the systems where we can, you know, start to analyze it and make, Future decisions. Okay. Because it's
2: client based too. Like a DCAM, they require a full time quality guy. Harvard, MIT, they require the full time quality control person where they have
0: to submit a monthly update report about quality. Is that full time quality person a Lee Kennedy person or? Okay. And then from from a contract standpoint, is it a fine line between saying that, well, of course you own the right, but you own plans and specs and therefore you need to provide me what's there. Yeah. Do you run the risk of when you're adding in additional things to own that they then turn around and say, well, you didn't say I own that. You said I owned this, this, and this. And then yeah. you say, well, you own everything. Well, if I own everything, why'd you tell me these three things? Like, do you, is that do you run a risk with that at all? No, I, it's a manageable
1: risk. I, I mean, we do it on the safety side. Every, every scope sheet um, for each type of trade has some very specific items on there that we want to call out and highlight. It, what, what we're picturing is, and we're, we're not going to do it for at least a year from now until we get some, you know, a really solid idea of where our risks are. But that same idea is going to apply. You know, here are the quality expectations. We expect X, Y, and Z based on this trade, which honestly is coming out of the data that we're generating right now. So defining those, we will call it three, five, seven items for that particular trade, we think is going to be pretty effective, just like it has been on safety. But it doesn't mean that we're we can ignore the other twenty five items that they own in specs and the specs in the in the yeah. We're just calling out these kind of key items that we've seen gaps in in the in the past. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's simple to me. I'll tell you what. For uh, round three or four, Joe, when we do this, revisit this podcast, we'll tell you how that's going when we actually do it.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I I was about to close. And what I was going to say in closing is, you know, I would, and maybe even I'll we'll put it on the calendar now if you're up for it. Like, I would love to come back in a year and have this conversation again and see how you guys are continuing to grow and improve if you're up for that. And Definitely. yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah I, w- I would love to do that and then as the data gets better one
1: caveat let's do this at like 4 p.m and we'll have a manhattan or a highball
0: or something we'll do like a whiskey something or other that's fine i just need to get a podcast i need to get a third mic because i'd rather you be here in person anyway but uh, i'll get a third mic of, and, what kind of
2: uh, do you need? <laughs> say it again what kind of
0: microphones do you need i have plenty of them uh, what do I have, like podcast or something? Uh, I, I'll tell you what I have for mics. Right now, my camera takes two mics that come oh. in. I, I don't have like a mixer or whatever. I'm not that technically savvy, but if you are, then let uh, Joe is crying poor mouth right now.
1: With all of his consulting fees and the way his business has taken off,
0: <laughs>
1: you have 10 mics in that
0: room. <laughs> it's not a financial thing. This is a... Oh user user error my, my my uh sound and audio skills are about a one out of ten so mm-hmm. i've seen your to- podcast joe you're doing pretty well i, I like yeah, this i was
2: gonna you. say podcasts are real
0: good yeah, yeah but a, a lot of times it's focus forward saving the day where i'm like all right the audio on this is shit i'm like you gotta do something with this and i'm sending them files to help but yeah no i mean i think this would be great to do in person and i, I I would love to follow up. I, I'm, in, I'm all kidding aside. I'm impressed with what you guys are doing. I would love to even maybe see a sample of what you've got from Power BI. I wouldn't share it for public consumption if you don't want. I'm not looking for that. I'm just my own curiosity. I think this that's, wanna, that's fascinating to me. The next
1: time that you're in the office, why don't we spend a few minutes together going through some of the the data and what we're looking at and how we're pulling from different sources. Um, y- you must have one of the CSL classes coming up at some point.
0: Yeah. I'm out there. I want to say within the next week, I'm out at, at Lee Kennedy for, uh, for construction education. So, okay. I'll uh,
1: we plan on it either, you know, earlier than the session that you're training or, or after we can sit down for a few minutes. Okay. Back to, uh, hang on a second
0: Yeah. And then I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, the, got the whiskey in the, in the fridge you just need an eye and it's uh you got the same last name right yep and then i think actually i sh- i re- soon i'm going to be out there quite a bit because you guys are looking for some 241 training and i think that's going to be two days in a row on that front so yeah i'll be kicking around oh, yeah. a lot hey, is that our monthly safety meeting that we're doing that that is is that what it is i think so yeah yeah so i'm doing like the regular quarterly thing but then Caitlin has me coming out a couple days in a row on that front. So yeah. yeah. So sure. I'll be kicking around a lot. And yeah, I would love to see that. I'm very curious what that looks like. So
1: yeah. And the- I'm all for coming into the studio there, Joe, because your camera's phenomenal. It is. Your skin doesn't look leathery like mine does.
0: Mine is that. <laughs> it's got good lighting. Uh, we've mastered yeah. it. My, my
1: makeup, my, my and all makeup. your all your gray hair like Chris has is all <laughs> you can't even see it. <laughs> camera's got to be
0: phenomenal yeah, i'm fine on <laughs> my head i got all the gray in the beard i know yeah. nothing yeah. on my head yet luckily but all right chris jason thank you this was great i am actually going to send you a calendar invite right after this and uh thanks for coming out thanks for sharing this i think everybody that listens will will appreciate it yeah thanks for having us Joe. thanks Joe. Great. all right